Eve Sturgis, checking in with my podcast, Everything's Relative, where we are navigating the new world of new identities created and discovered with modern DNA testing. Welcome. How are you? What color tier is your state or county in? Um, Here in Los Angeles, we're hovering in the red, which means places like museums and restaurants are opening back up. And our kids are kind of maybe probably heading back to school. There was a town hall meeting last night for our little local elementary school. So I was on on the Zoom meeting for my Dallas, age five, uh, along with a lot of other parents. It was boring and confusing and pretty imperfect, uh, but I certainly don't blame them. The principal's doing the best he can with the information he's been given, but... Um, It was more, you know, it was just like more of the same of what those of us here in the USA have been dealing with during the past year. A lot of shaky leadership and mixed messages and misunderstandings and plenty of reminders to wash your hands. So that's what's going on in my world, in my town, in my neighborhood. Um, And one thing it's got me thinking about as the world is opening up uh, and if it if it continues to do so uh, is if I am going to go on an adventure to find out more about my real bio dad, the man who's really my father. Um, COVID really put a halt to almost all exploration in that department for me. But uh, I'm, I'm considering what it would look like to meet my, my siblings. There's six or seven of them. Um, and I, I probably have more relatives like aunts and uncles. Like I, there's lots to think about folks. That's where I'm at in my journey. Um, where are you in your journey? Um, probably, no matter what, whether um, whether you're you're brand brand new or you've you've been working on this for a little while, you have probably noticed uh, how like little information there is out there in the world about this situation. And if you haven't done this, and maybe you're not an NPE, you're just listening for fun, or someone suggested it to you, I would challenge you to spend some time on Google and just try to narrow this down. Um, This phenomenon of DNA discoveries, there isn't an official name, although different factors of the the community are pushing for a few different ones like NPE or MPE. Um, It's hard to to describe what it is. So search words, like try, just use some search words, like, you know, wrong DNA results, different DNA results, heritage. My dad is not my dad. Uh, You know, see how specific you can get. Um, And and you probably will get different results every time, which is what so much about this podcast is for, is, is because I and so many other people in the community are just really trying to change uh, this this lack of information. We're trying to get the information out there, um, make the world know and and understand the prevalence of this of of, of these NPE um, occurrences and and also to destigmatize it and to normalize it and to get people talking and to get people to to help people make decisions um, if they are faced with um, truth <laughs> truth or not truth um, and. Uh, so, so anyway, um, I'm, I'm just somebody, I'm just saying that I am really like understand the frustration of what it's like to be in this totally shocked, uh, place and, and trying to get info and, and, and struggling. 
so um, Gina Daniel was also um, in that place. She, but she was already a licensed social worker uh, when she had her NPE experience. Um, it changed her whole world. Uh, so she went ahead and she had begun a doctorate, uh, a doctorate program, and and so she just changed her whole study and she developed a study and a dissertation focused on unexpected paternity through direct-to-consumer DNA tests. Uh, and she, um, I'm thrilled to have her as my guest today. And I, so I want to talk about her personal journey, but also talk about the findings of her study and the way that this, an, this is an important part of, of the kind of people we need right now as a pioneer getting our stories on the record. Um, so I was thrilled when she said yes. I'm thrilled that her her paper is out there. That information is now available for for any anybody wanting wanting to look up more about the the fi her findings about about our community. Um, and and so I'll just let you listen. Yeah, um, I'll meet you on the other side. Thanks for listening. This is Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. I'm Eve Sturgis. I don't even know where to start for some reason. Sometimes when I know people, it's more uncomfortable because like, <laughs> I like have to slip. I don't know. I don't really like slip into a different persona, but um, I'm here with Gina Daniel. Uh, we met, we, we, we have been in touch as pen pals for mm -hmm. like two years. Yeah. Um, which is kind of amazing to think about, but um what but but then we met at the re and then she was at the retreat in um on the east coast with me um this past fall so i we got to meet in person and talk and um we have been talking about recording something for all this time and now it's finally here the day has arrived and um one thing that is super exciting for me and and what is unique about you is that you have an npce story right mm -hmm. um but then, <laughs> then which we'll get to and then but then you um and but then it's like what you did with it what the, what you did with that information that's that's really interesting mm -hmm. um and so you have become a, a pioneer in academia mm -hmm. about um about the npe experience and and for those of you and us in the community of um the npe or uh, or dna discovery world it's a very big deal because there's there's like no information out there. So for mm -hmm. someone um, to to start collecting information, coming up with with conclusions and, and publishing it and putting it out there, it's um it's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell me? Can you talk about your MPE experience? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, because I think all the players in my world would not listen to this. Um, I don't think they even would know what the term NPE is to look this up. And I honestly do not believe that my two dads would even know what a podcast is. Mm -hmm. Maybe one does. But um, so I was born in 69, just for reference sake. I think a lot of us NPEs kind of sometimes like that idea of where in the timeline people kind of come from. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to be kind of the general gist of the 60s to the early 80s seems to be a lot of us come from that time frame. Um, and I was born to young parents. My mother was a college student. My dad was at home and she came home and said, oh my goodness, I'm pregnant. And he was like, well, we have to get married. And that was kind of what happened in those days. They got married. And soon after, she just wasn't happy. And, 
you know, wasn't really ready to have a baby and she took off. She was done. My dad was devastated, but he was determined to raise me and he did. And he eventually got custody of me and raised me. And she just went on and kind of lived her life. She kind of tried to come back a few times, but it just wasn't kind of that settled down, raise your child, live the wife life was not for her. Mm-hmm. So my dad and I lived a few hours away from all of our family and he just raised me as a hardworking dad. And just he and I for a really long time, he met my stepmother eventually and you know, whatever, that was our life. Um, but I did, I was that person. I am that person who always felt like I didn't fit with him. We did not um, connect very verbal, very emotional, want to talk all the time. He wants none of that. So I always felt like I wanted to be with my mom because I must be just like her. And she just didn't want to be with me. Um, Not in a cruel way. It just wasn't for her. Uh, Just mothering just wasn't for her. So fast forward. um, When I am in college, she died unexpectedly. I mean, I think For me, it felt like overnight, literally, Um, but she died from alcoholism. I was 20 and um, I just got a phone call. Your mother died yesterday. And I was like, what happened? Yeah, I've I've heard your story and that surprised me just now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of wild to just be like, oh, well, that's a strange, strange piece to the story. I mean, there's a whole lot of other things, right? But we're not gonna get into all of that, but um, so she was, you know, it's over. It's just kind of like, there's no resolution to anything. You know, I always wondered why she wouldn't raise me, why she wouldn't want to be with me, you know? And then you're that kid that wants to like chase her love and attention. You want to like get good grades and you want to be the, the good kid. And you just, you know, she would see me occasionally and she was so funny and she was so pretty. And oh, I just wanted that so much. And she just wasn't having it. Um, not in a cruel way. It just wasn't for her. So I didn't get along with my stepmother very well. My dad was just my dad. He was hardworking. I, I got a lot from him, but we just didn't connect. Went on my way of just living my life and wanted to be a mother desperately. And eventually took a lot of uh, fertility and that world was fun. But eventually I became a mother in my thirties and um, I have two daughters, which is amazing. And uh kind of got to live that mothering through my kids, which in a very healthy way, I'm a clinical social worker. So I'm really good with like, (laughs) kind of like seeing like what's healthy, what's not healthy. I've done my work. I've been through my therapy, but um, yeah, I think I've been able to kind of replace some of that by being a mother that I didn't get. Hmm. It's been really wonderful, really, really wonderful. I feel fully fulfilled as far as all of those pieces that were kind of not there as a kid. and I'm sad for my mom because she died when she was 40. And when I passed 40, you know, that was a really difficult time for me. It's a really tough time for a lot of people when they pass the age of their parents sometimes. Um, really tough time for me because um, my daughter was four, my youngest was four at the time. And I thought, how do you leave your baby? You know, like it's terrible to like be done with your life at that point. So many questions. So I just, yeah, so sad. But anyway, so um, fast forward to, 49. Um, I had asked my family to get me an ancestry test. I wanted to see how German I was, right? There's that whole thing. (sighs) My maiden Uh name was German. My dad never talked about anything. He didn't seem to have any history of our family. His father had died when he was young and he just doesn't talk. Um, So I just couldn't get anything from anyone. And 
I didn't click with that side of the family. We had always lived far away. And so I was like, oh, let me just find out on my own. You know, my, I have children. Let's just figure this out. So sent the test away and um, eventually it took me time to do it. Got the test back and looked at it. And I'm like, we're not even German. Well, this is silly. So I took it over to my dad and I'm like, we're not even German. He was like, okay. He didn't even care. <laughs> So I, which I thought was ridiculous. So, Uh you know, I just put it down and I'm like, okay, so we're kind of English. Well, whatever. Didn't even think twice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time I had been a year into getting my uh, doctorate. So I was just taking classes and it was late the day after Father's Day, 2018. Of course. And of course, right. And um, 1130, it's working on like wrapping up an assignment. My husband's asleep beside me and up pop you know, the email, the ding, and, you know, you have a match. And I'm like, okay, another fourth cousin from New Zealand, like, right, I care, totally. you know, like that kind of thing, like third to fifth cousin, very distant. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We have like 32 CMs, like, okay, whatever. And it came up and it said, you know, 50% match. Hmm. And I thought, okay, it's like late at night. Like I can't be seeing that. Right. And it said connection has to be father or son. And I went, I mean, listen, like I went through some fertility. I know exactly every (laughs) single thing that's happened to me. Like I don't have any sons. And I just went, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, I think there was a curse word in there, Mm -hmm. but I was like, what? Like what just happened? So I didn't wake up my husband. I just went to sleep. I mean, I laid there for a long time, thought about it, got up in the morning, called a science teacher friend. And I just said, you know, this, this is not right. Right. And he was like, no, 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 no. That whole thing, you know, DNA doesn't lie. Like it, mm-hmm, you know, he was mm-hmm. probably the first one to say it to me. And I've heard it 800,000 times since anyway, um, from there, I just kind of got on it, did all the like stuff people do. And I like really studied all the trees very quickly before anybody removed stuff. Cause that happened. Um, got on, just pulled oh. everything, screenshotted everything. I don't know why I knew about any of that because I hadn't done any of this work at the time. I just, just kept about to ask. Yeah. I was just about to ask. I like, had no how idea. did you know it, to do that? That's yeah. It was a gut oh. thing. It was just a gut thing. Like I just and and it, I think what I was thinking was I just need to have it all so I can organize mm-hmm. so I can look at it. I don't think it was because I was afraid someone would take it down. Ultimately later I realized that was you know, good idea. But I think it was more so I could kind of piece together names and years and relationships. I don't think it was. Yes. I think that was where I was really coming from. And then later when it was gone, I went, Ooh, that was a good idea. Um, By July 5th, I was on the phone with my biological father. So what had happened was my mother was at college a few hours away from her home Um, the best that I can piece together was she was just kind of, you know, living a young adult life back in the time and Mm -hmm. had met people on weekends and had fun. And I think she had met my biological father on a couple of weekends. I think they kind of like had a standing weekend date. Mm -hmm. Um, He was older (laughs) and I think he could buy alcohol and I think they had fun and whatever. Right. And stuff happened. She's pretty, she's funny. She's having a good time exactly he's funny she's not serious about like like life no they didn't call it friends with benefits in 1969 but what you know sure exactly and I don't want my life on display at 19 like I you know it's all of those things so I think she just got scared and came home and I think she shared with my grandmother her mother and I think they said well you have to tell the boyfriend my dad 
that you're pregnant. And my dad didn't even do the math. The math doesn't line up, but Mm -hmm. he didn't. He just believed her and they got married. And that was the end of the whole story. Yeah. And, you know, when you reflect on your life and you remember certain things, there were goofy things where my grandmother, my dad's name is, is Denny. And my grandmother would say, Denny was such a good father to you. Now that's a goofy thing to say. Right. Like, would you say that to your kids? Would you use right. your, your husband's first name to say that to your kids? No. Kaylin is such a good daddy to you. you that's right. Nobody says yeah. that. So things like that would happen in my life. And I never thought about it like that. So it was just kind of funny how the, it comes back mm-hmm. in time. But so anyway, I was on the phone with him and he is fantastic. He had no idea. She just disappeared. And that's exactly the story I knew. She just left college abruptly. And I didn't tell him that he just kind of offered that. And so I, we were really putting the pieces together the best we could ourselves. So he was just as blindsided as I was. Hmm. And so that's my, that's pretty much my NPE story. Yeah. I did meet him a few months later. I, he wanted to meet pretty quickly. I did not. I needed a minute. Uh-huh. Um, it was a lot to wrap my head around. Sure. Um, I did have a ton of anger. Um, I thought I had really worked through all my mom's stuff, you know, um, and I felt that she had come back from the beyond just and mess with my life one more time. Yeah. It's like she, yeah. It's like she, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I was just about to say that. Like she came, she, mm-hmm. you thought you had worked through everything, but she had yeah. um, more, more secrets and surprises for you. Yeah. And yeah. I just really thought, lady, listen, like you didn't already raise me. I st- struggled so much as a kid with you. And yet one more time, but um, you know, I think she did the best she could with what she had. And I've, I've really come around to, to understand that. And I'm, I'm over all of that, but I really was very, very furious for months with a dead person, mm-hmm. which is really not, you know, fruitful, but I needed it's to be hard. that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I met him and I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's awkward. And at first, and you know, it is what it is, but we've, I think we've made some great strides and what will be this year will be three years. Um, he doesn't live near, so that that makes it difficult. COVID makes things difficult, but um, he is all in, you know, mm-hmm. as much as you can when you, you know, find out you have a third daughter. Um, and I have two half siblings who are not feeling this um, still. Not oh, feeling not in, this. they're not into so, it. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I'm hopeful that'll come in sometime, but not yet. Their mother's still living. There was no overlap, nothing funky about that. He was just a single guy doing his thing. He hadn't even met their mother yet. So there's nothing weird with that mm-hmm. situation. They're just, I think, loyal to her. And I think it yeah. upends, he's not married to her anymore. And it upends, the oldest is no longer the oldest in some weird way, if that's how she wants to look at it. But I don't know what it's about. Right. You know, no one asked for this. It just happened. Yeah, it's always curious to know what, I mean, and there's no way to know unless they, unless they can articulate it, but like what it is that you represent to them, mm-hmm. what it like, it's, it's something and it's a loss of innocence about their understanding of their dad, or it's the loss of being mm-hmm. the oldest or, and that was so important to her, who knows, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. why, or the mom. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. It just is like a whole other file of questions. Yeah. And I think, really get to know. yeah. And so, so that summer really was, you know, the summer that things blew up in a lot of ways. And for me, it turned out to be quite, you know, the shocking, but shocking blessing. You know, I always Mm -hmm. say it's a shocking blessing for me. Um, Mm. It worked out nicely. It it doesn't for everyone. I I totally have learned that. So 
so I decided to, to uh, switch my topic of my dissertation um, into uh, the MPE experience. It was, I was passionate for it at that point because I didn't see anything about it in the research. I, I just couldn't find anything. And as a social worker, a clinical social worker, I wanted to know what was out there for us. What, what could I learn about this? And I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find support. I couldn't find anything. It is so new. It, it, yeah. this, is, this is an unintended consequence of these tests. Um, and it is a consequence of them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the numbers are staggering in some ways. Um, and these are only the people that find one another through Facebook. You know, right. there's so many people that wouldn't even know. The numbers of misattributed paternity uh, are big. They're small percentage-wise, but they're big when it happens to you and you find an, a network of people. So I, I just think that there just needs to be more information put out there so people are warned. Anyway, so I switched all of my top, my, my whole topic stuff around and um, my university is quite excited um, about the topic. Mm -hmm. They have been since the beginning of time. So I, I am studying, um, have been studying, understanding what happens to the family of origin relationships, what happens to um, how you understand your family of origin now as an adult, um, what happens to your personal identity and how do we seek support through this process. And so it's been interesting because when I started this, even where I have come in the past three years is vastly different than mm -hmm. when I started. And so I'm seeing that too, because I think I've done about 51 interviews with NPEs over the course of this time. And um, I am done with this dissertation in a couple of weeks, which is amazing. Um, but it, yeah, woo, for sure. But it's been really interesting because there is a whole there's tons of areas where there's more research that can be done. But one of them that I really have discovered through a lot of the people I've interviewed is with the siblings who didn't expect to learn this either on the other side. And so I might have to dive into that next round of something. Really yeah. I mean, that's that now. a subtopic that, um, yeah, that, yeah, I can see that as being a sort of omitted um, mm -hmm. I actually did my master's thesis on mm -hmm. siblings, um, on a sibling, ah. um, because it is part of the family system that is so often taken for granted or ignored. Mm -hmm. We always are, we're always focused on parent child mm -hmm. uh, and it, yes. it leaves out, um, this whole other faction. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, and, and, you know, parents will pass on They're right. They're generally a generation older than us, but you're left with your siblings mm -hmm. as peers and what happens in those relationships. Not always, because sometimes one of the parents is significantly older and they have different family that are significantly older and siblings older, but oftentimes you're in the same range of age and what happens with that. But so it's been, it's been very fascinating and I'm, I'm super excited to add my research. There's, mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of people doing some research in this mm -hmm. area now. So we'll, we'll be getting a bunch of research. I mean, there's yeah, a lot of anecdotal stuff coming out, lots yeah. of books, lots of personal memoirs, super exciting to see as much as we can get out there just for the awareness, just for the support. Um, I am working on a support guide, a workbook kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't have a, as much time as I wish I did, but I'm working right. on it. Um, to get moving on something just to provide for therapists. I think there's mm -hmm. a whole element of what uh, the mental health community could benefit from yeah. um, in understanding. Cause that was something I really got out of um, the NPs I interviewed was just mm -hmm. the mental health community and the lack of support and the language that was provided to them that really didn't feel too good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's still amazing how many stories are still coming out of therapists saying, um, mm -hmm. 
the wrong you're thing. You're still you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah. It's about who loved you. Yeah. 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 It's so cool. So, yeah. so currently you're working as a social worker. You're working on this workbook mm -hmm. and you're working on your dissertation, finishing it up. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. at the presentation point. Yeah. Dissertation's okay. been done. It's just, yeah, I have to present it, mm -hmm. defend it, I guess. Yeah. So what, yeah. yeah. So knowing all that, what do you feel like is, um, gosh, I have so many questions, but uh, what do you, do you feel like you have, I guess we'll start with the one I always ask everybody. Do you feel like you have advice for people that are just entering their NPE experience? Mm. If you, if you could have known something back then. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would say sit still and feel what you're feeling, acknowledge it, just sit still. You don't have to act. I, I think, I think we act fast. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's an element of go ahead and screenshot all of the, um, ancestry trees, like go ahead because someone might remove that, uh, before they do. Uh, but otherwise just sit still for a second, just sit still. It'll be okay. in some time. Um, and I think what I've seen with some of the people I interviewed a year and a half ago, um, I've seen them also calm down significantly from when it started to where it goes. We have to rewrite a narrative, often in middle age. That's a strange space to be. We've shared our narrative with our children. Like we've moved to a place where we, this is our story and we've passed it on and it's wrong. <laughs> we have to start over that's a strange space, but breathe through and we will, we'll figure it out. You know, um, you know, the secrets and the lies, the shame that that's not ours. And we feel it deeply, but we will be okay. We have to just, we have to feel through that and just, you know, put that onus where it belongs because mm -hmm. it's not with us generally, you know, but there are a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of hurt words that get said. Um, there's a lot of mental health issues that are in families sometimes that get really stirred up in these moments and just take a step back sometimes, I think. I think that's probably some of the, the best advice. Just sit still, you know, be true to yourself. Um, don't let other people's actions, inactions um, force you into something that would make you uncomfortable Yeah, in a dramatic moment like this. Absolutely. I think, I think, I mean, not only do your emotions and does one's like emotions and thoughts fly every, fly everywhere in every direction when, when this experience happens, but the internet and face, Facebook and social media makes the immediacy of it feel, um, mm -hmm. adds to a confusion. So people, yeah. um, end up making impulsive decisions or saying impulsive things mm -hmm. or saying things, um, and that, that, one might not if we didn't have social media, if we, if there was more like hand letter writing or um, telephone calls, like these things might, yeah. might have been slowed down some of those things. Mm -hmm. Maybe not, but I think about that too, that like these Facebook messages, people are like face, like, like messaging back and forth, like having a conversation with, with people that they didn't know existed like 15 minutes before. Um, right. And it can just make this sort of immediacy confusing. I think, mm -hmm. and what to do, what, how to act slow yeah. when nothing else is feeling slow. Right. Right. And I, I would say too, with, with all of that also is if you're in a conversation, you know, th through Facebook messaging or texting, get on the phone and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. 
just like everything else, you're going to misunderstand something if someone goes to bed and they stop talking, you right. know, your brain starts going down the rabbit hole because you're so vulnerable and you're so afraid of like rejection. Like that's one of the things that came out of my research was like the fear of rejection is so high. Mm -hmm. We feel so vulnerable when we're normally such strong, capable people, you know, we're, we're capable of getting through really tremendous, heinous things. We'll get through this, but it, there's all these other pieces that don't need to happen. If we just get on the phone and have a conversation, like set up a time, like, Hey, do you have time this weekend for about an hour that we could have a conversation about this, set it up and have that so your brain can relax, you know, but when you're typing, you know, we can misinterpret a lot of different things, oh, so a lot of attitude. I mean, yeah. yeah. Someone gets on the phone and they give you attitude. Okay. Now we know what we're dealing with, but if within the, the texting, it gets, you know, it's tough. I know it's easy, but it's, you misinterpret things. Yeah. Often. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tale as old as time. I mean, it's all yeah. about, it's all of this sort of miscommunication, misunderstandings, mis, yeah. you know, and sometimes very deliberate misunderstandings or lies and stuff, but, but yeah, it's all about communication um yeah successful or unsuccessful communication mm -hmm. and um what does one do with a dissertation once <laughs> it's done what are you what do you do with that information you're you're well you're doing that guidebook um, right well yeah that's just my thing mm -hmm. that's on the side kind of thing yeah um well I guess they want to publish it so it'll be published and then I don't know it'll just go into some you know as a as Someone brilliant once said to me, it's like a pebble on a mountain, so. mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever it's done. Um, you know, I don't know if I'll take pieces of it and kind of write some articles for some publications. Um, I think I need to take a nap when I'm done with this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Honestly, um, I think I'll probably dive back into some research related to what we're doing with this. Mm -hmm. um, and write some things and talk with some people. I, I definitely will stay in this zone of how can I help um, educate probably the mental health community? What can I bring to the mental health community to support MPEs? How can I best help MPEs? And, uh, you know, the, the wider circles, you know, the wider environments, the immediate family members, the extended family members. I think there's, there's a whole network of people there that could benefit from that. So I'll probably do more in that zone. I, I don't know. Does it give me credibility? I mean, we all have credibility. If we have a story, right? We're all, we sure. all come with some kind of a lens. I, I just feel this was kind of what I was supposed to do the timing of this happening right in the moment when I had to decide what I was going to do with my dissertation. I'm a school social worker. Um, this is my day job. Um, I have a private practice in the evenings. So I didn't want to do anything with my school social work for yeah. dissertation. I could not land on something. And so it's just interesting to me that this happened the way it did. Right. Um, and now the passion is so here. Like I'm, I'm so ready to retire the school in a few years and just go full force into mm -hmm. this world. Um, I'm really passionate about it at this point. Um, it's just a lot of hurting people um, and a lot of room for education. It's a new place. And I think that's the most exciting thing is when you're working on a doctorate of any sort, you're supposed to look for something that hasn't been seen before and try and help to fill the gap. Well, I mean, it's a gaping hole right now. So there's right. a lot of us trying to help, you know, plug it up a little bit and find ways to support. And as a social worker, I can't think of anything kind of more fulfilling than to help in this world with that piece mm -hmm. for all of us. Um, you know, 
interviewing people has probably been one of the most rewarding. Uh, you do this, right? This is what you get to do all the time. You're so good at it. And we appreciate you so much. Um, but it is immensely powerful to talk to someone and see their face and see their expressions and see their pain and see their joy and just walk that path with them for a few minutes. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. Love it. Love it. So I don't know what I'm going to really do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do something. Right. Do something. Clearly, yeah. clearly you're hooked. Yeah, yeah. I'm hooked. I'm well, hooked. the NPE community um, is so lucky for it. We're just better, better for it. You're just bringing so mm-hmm. much information and um, energy and, and focus. And mm-hmm. um, it's uh, so I'm, I, for one, am really grateful, um, mm-hmm. but I know the, the community at large is, is, is excited for this, for all of this um, yeah. to come in. And then also I know that for a lot of people, I think it really meant a lot to be asked to um, interview with you. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. um, I'm suddenly like, I just remembered that I think that's how we got connected because you the you had been allowed to ask people uh, if they wanted to interview with you and someone mm-hmm. else had interviewed with you and then they contacted me and said you really got to talk to this woman yeah. so then so then she you and I connected and then but I don't qualify um technically so I know um <laughs> it's fine I know uh, so, I was so sad I was so sad um so, but that's how we started talking. And, uh, and I know that for a lot of people, I think it felt really good to feel like they were contributing to something that was going to help to data. Yeah. You know, I think it, yeah. I think that also is a really empowering experience for mm-hmm. a lot of people that feel like the, their whole life and their has been whipped out from under them and gave mm-hmm. them, um, a, you know, being of service. I talk about this all the time, but you know, like being of service can be so healing and mm-hmm. I think that, that you really offered at least 51 people that, um, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. Really cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So I will be, um, I'll be keeping tabs on, on your, on what's going on with you, your research and your progress. And, um, yeah, I'll be in touch. Are you going to be, uh, are you going to the retreat? Uh Uh-huh. I am in April. Right. Yeah. So we'll talk. Um, okay, cool. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much for giving me your money. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is just lovely. It was the perfect way to start my Friday. Yes. Thank you, Eve. Thank you for everything that you're doing for all of us. Yeah. You are superhero. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do nah. it without you and everybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, have enjoy the rest of your uh work from home snow day. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. Yes, yeah. it was great to see you. Yeah, and I'll see too. you in April. Your hair looks amazing. Um <laughs> This is the dirty for two days look. It just I mean, stays that way. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're really well lit when you, when you first came on. I was like, oh, she's really. Mm, mm. It's the snow, the snow off the window right there. Oh, it's yeah. making a great. Really? Oh, great, good. Great light. All right. I'll talk to you soon, Dina. Thank you <laughs> so much. Sure. <laughs> Bye. Gina defended her dissertation not long after our talk, and I am so pleased to announce uh, that she passed. I don't know if it's called passing when it's a dissertation. It was accepted. I don't. I don't know. Um, but I'm I'm so thrilled uh, to be obligated to thank Dr. Gina Daniel for her time on my podcast. So we did it, guys. We did another week of exploring people's lives that are changed by DNA test. Thanks for listening. I appreciate all the support that comes in in all the ways. If you enjoyed this podcast, and hey, even if you didn't enjoy it, would you go onto Apple Podcasts and leave a review? 
Apple ratings and stars. Um, very easy to do, and it affects the algorithm quite significantly. So it's how people find it, find me, find us, get help. So it would mean a lot. And I am, I am truly, algorithm notwithstanding, sincerely interested in what you think. So if you don't mind, if you have one minute of your time, get over there, write a review, uh, give me some stars, please, and thank you. If you or someone you love is looking for therapy, my private practice called Magpie Life has two new therapists who are taking on new clients. So come on over, check it all out at www.evesturgis.la or contact me directly, eve at everythingsrelativepodcast.com. Using teletherapy, we can see people within the entire state of California and uh, contact us anyway if you're outside of California and we can probably work something out. But in the meantime... I'll be back next week with a new episode, continuing to explore the world of DNA discoveries. Thanks, everybody. Remember to keep telling your truths. This is Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. Bye-bye. Don't forget to wash your hands. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Kaylin Egan and Eve Sturgis. Eve is a licensed therapist in the state of California, but conversations on this podcast are not therapy sessions. This podcast is edited by Stephanie Delon-Zick, the logo design is by Ivy McNally, and the music is used with permission by Goodbye the Band. Oh, hello, you. What's up, hoes? I'm Mary Kay McBrayer. I'm Mary Amelia Byer. I'm Rachel Estridge. And we like scary movies. Let's be more specific. We like analyzing scary movies. Okay, but let's be a little bit more specific. We like making fun of scary movies. Let's be even more specific. We have to make fun of scary movies so that we can sleep at night. We host a horror comedy podcast called Everything Trying to Kill You that rips all your fave horror movies a new one. And bonus, we'll tell you jokes from the perspectives of... Feminist ethnic minorities. And queer women. Which might be something you haven't considered before. Sure looks like Hollywood hasn't. So check out Everything Trying to Kill You. New episodes every other Friday on Campfire Media. Campfire.